Well, it appears we have our answer on if Jaron Hall will be playing on Saturday. We'll delve into that, and we're also answering all of your questions The Mailbag Thursday edition of Locked On Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. The goal here, simply stated, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. And uh, what we do on Thursdays typically is answer your questions. So we'll get to those momentarily. But let's start off today with the latest from New Mexico. I will be on my way way to the land of enchantment tomorrow. I fly out early Friday morning. I'll be getting there about midday uh, to Albuquerque. Very much looking forward to covering this game. But my compatriot over at KSL Sports and KSLSports.com, Mitch Harper, is already in Albuquerque. He was covering uh, BYU, getting into town, flying in from Provo, and uh, probably saw the video and or the picture. Jaron Hall in a boot, uh, walking off the plane, and it was taken down off social media, the picture at least was. And uh, Mitch was able to get video of and threw it up on kslsports.com if you want to go check that out. But that boot that Jaron Hall is wearing, man, those are the boots that you see when guys have pretty severe ankle injuries. And everything I understand is that Jaron Hall, as Kalani Satake said, it looks like like a long shot. It's a long shot that he plays on Saturday. So uh, let's all get ready for either the Cade Fennigan or Soljay Maiava-Peters show when it comes to the game on Saturday. Uh, Both of them uh, probably will be getting their first extensive action in a BYU uniform. I know Jackson Payne from the Daily Universe has said that he has, quote, heard from sources that, quote, likely Cade Fennigan will start against uh, SMU on Saturday. And that would not be surprising at all because Fennigan has been a guy who's been on the depth chart, a guy who's been working out a lot, but he is also just recently coming off an injury in his own right. And in my talking with people around the BYU football program, Soljay Maiava Peters, you can't discount him and his opportunity to play in this game. Soljay has been getting plenty of work with the first team offense in addition to Fennigan. It would not surprise me in this circumstance because let's be honest, the bowl game, what it is, is it's a glorified exhibition. It's an opportunity to play one more game. And if I'm BYU, I'm Aaron Roderick. I would let both Finnegan and Soljay Maiava Peters have a crack at this game, and whichever one ends up being more effective, that's probably the guy you end up riding down the stretch in this game. But I would think that you're going to see both of them. Do I think Finnegan probably gets the quote-unquote start where he takes the first snap under center? Yeah, I would think that. But I would expect to see Soljay Maiava Peters playing in this game. Maybe even Nick Billups as well. Uh, Billups has just been absolutely uh, just working his tail off. He is BYU scout team quarterback, and it's not a glorious position because you're running plays from the other team to get the defense ready all season long. So if Jaron Hall is indeed out, and that's what it sounds like, Kalani Satake says it's hard for me to say yes about him potentially playing in this game. That was the quote uh, from the arrival uh, interview that he did down there in Albuquerque. 
at this point, let all the quarterbacks have their opportunity to play in this game. None of the three have started a game. Oh, no, I can't say that. Uh, Cade Finnegan has started a game at the FBS level. He actually started that game against BYU when he was at Boise State, if you recall, a couple of years back. So he has started a game at the FBS level, but none of them have seen extensive action and or playing time as members of the BYU football program. So in this circumstance, I would imagine that you might see at least two quarterbacks, maybe even three in this game. It's going to make BYU's ability or inability, we'll see uh, how it goes, to run the football all the more imperative if they want to win this game and make it an 8-5. and five. The, Everything I'm hearing from BYU, both on and off the record, is they're highly, highly motivated to win this game. They want to get to 8-5. and five. They don't want to slump to 7-6. and six. They don't want to be uh, just a game over 500. 8-5 feels and looks significantly better than a 7-6 and six record going in to the offseason. And BYU wants to carry as much momentum as they possibly can into that offseason as they now turn their attention to truly getting ready for Big 12 action starting next fall. So there is a lot riding on this game and not having Jaron Hall, it puts an absolute damper on BYU's opportunity to win this game. I don't know any other way to say it, but not having him in this matchup seems like a critical, critical loss for BYU's chances. Now, uh, let's also say that BYU, what do they do against uh, some of their opponents when they've won games this year? They controlled the clock. They ran the football, and that's what they're going to have to do in this game. Do what you did against Stanford. Do what you did against Utah Tech. Take control of this game, grind out long drives if you have to, take as much time off the clock, shorten it, and win the football game. That, that That's the way to go about this because Tanner Mordecai, he is a very, very capable quarterback and SMU's offense is very, very potent, especially through the passing game, so keeping them off the field as much as possible is actually a very good thing if you're the BYU Cougars. So, is a guy like, uh, I don't know, Chris Brooks, Hinkley Ropati, uh, Miles Davis, are any of the three of them capable of carrying the ball 25 times? Maybe so. I would imagine that Chris Brooks is probably the most likely of that. But if I'm BYU, I'm going into this game saying, you know what? We're going to have a first-time starting quarterback. We're not going to put the entire game on their arm. We will require them to make some throws. At least I would hope they would require them to make some throws. But we do need to run the football. We do need to dominate the line of scrimmage. And we do need to make sure that we... We take care of the football. Turnovers in this game, especially with a young, inexperienced quarterback, are going to be even more imperative that you hold on to the football. Being plus in the turnover margin in this type of game will be an absolutely critical, critical thing for BYU's chances in this one. But I think that BYU has got faith in guys like Cade Finnegan and Soljay Maiava-Peters to go out there and perform and be the guy that they need them to be in this circumstance. But the same time, you're talking about a guy in Jaron Hall who's number six on Mel Kuyper's top ten list of NFL draft quarterbacks. Like he, he's a guy who's going to probably make a bunch of money in his NFL career, and not having him in this game is absolutely brutal. Uh, Gregor Bell tweeted this out: This will be Kalani Sitake's sixth game as BYU's uh, sixth bowl game, excuse me, as BYU's head coach. Half of them now, three of them, will have had a guy starting in the bowl game at quarterback, other than the guy who was the guy quote-unquote the starter most of the season or if not all the season for BYU it's been the past two years in particular remember Baylor Romney started the game against UAB last year after Jaron Hall got dinged up in the USC season finale similar circumstance this year he gets dinged up against Stanford he's going to be unable to play uh, and it's going to be either Cade Fennigan or it's going to be Soljay Maiava-Peters and you know what so be it 
go out there, shock the world. In, in a way, it's actually advantageous uh, for BYU to have one of these quarterbacks playing this game because there's relatively little film on them. I know that if you were uh, SMU, you can pull up uh, Cade Fennigan's S- uh, not his SMU tape, his Boise State tape, and check out what he uh, did for the Broncos. But he was still such an inexperienced quarterback, a guy just recently, like months, like not even six months removed from serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when he was out there for Boise State. He is ostensibly a much fitter, uh, better quarterback today than he was then, but you can get some film work at least from uh, SMU's perspective from that. But the unknown in some ways is an advantage for BYU, but the inexperience factor, not having played a lot of games, not having a lot of action, not having just experience, Uh, It's a disadvantage for the BYU football program. So we'll obviously be tracking all that news in the lead-up to that game, but everything uh, points to Jaron Hall being unavailable for this one, and that's, frankly, highly disappointing if you're a BYU fan. All right, it is time for your guys' time to shine. We're going to get to as many questions as we can. A lot of you responded on social media with comments, questions about various topics when it comes to the BYU football program and beyond. We'll get to all of those in just a moment. First, though, a word from our friends over at NHTSA. Of course, many of us can envision this scenario. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you're thinking of calling a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds you really get pulled over anyway and even so what is the worst that could happen your insurance goes up your license you lose your license you lose your job you total your car you kill somebody everybody knows about the dangers of driving drunk especially during this holiday season the results are tragic and often deadly however that still doesn't stop everybody from getting behind the wheel under the influence that's why police officers are out there looking right now for impaired drivers on our roads they're trying to save lives so if you think you are okay to drive after a few drinks think again play it safe and plan ahead get a ride it only takes one mistake to change your life for someone else's forever Drive sober, sober, excuse me, or get pulled over. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day, my friends. I want to make sure you guys to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's a fantastic way to get caught up every single morning in 25 minutes or less with all the major news across the sports spectrum. NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, college sports. So from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only the Locked On Podcast Network can provide. That's Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's dive into the mailbag now. You guys, it's time to shine. We'll start off with our good friend, Texas Colonel, TX Colonel uh, down there in the great state of Texas. says, looking at the bowl game, how much do you see the defense stepping up in their intensity to impress their new defensive coordinator? This is like a tryout for the next year for them. Uh, and Texas Colonel, you nailed it on its, on its head. It is a tryout for them to impress Jay Hill. Jay Hill will not be on the field making play calls, etc. He will be observing uh, from a distance ostensibly. He'll probably be up in a box, etc. He may be on the sideline, but he is not going to be involved in the actual game planning slash game operation part of this bowl game. But you can guarantee that he will be watching all these guys play and they want to go out there and prove themselves. Anybody who is on the defensive side of the football that has not left the program yet will be thinking, okay, I have got to show this guy what I am made of. And in a way, it actually may lead BYU to having some better performances on defense. But at the same time, some guys may need, need, need 
may need to rein it in a little bit at the same time to make sure they're not overplaying, if that makes sense. But it's absolutely going to lead to an increase in intensity because these guys understand that this is, this is, for lack of a better term, it's a job interview for next year. That, that's what they're trying to do here. Our next one comes from Weston at Weston NNBF. Okay, he says, of all the players in the transfer portal, who are the top three that BYU should try to get and who are they most likely to get? Now, Weston, I don't know necessarily I can say who are they most likely to get because the transfer portal is so uh, it's just such a wild wild west type of feel to it out there so I don't necessarily can tell you who they're most likely to get but I can tell you that they are chasing upwards of at least 10 different quarterbacks at least evaluating them I was told by somebody that double digit quarterbacks are under evaluation from BYU we already know that Keaton Slovis as well as Drew Pine have visited the BYU football program recently uh, two running backs have visited the program and Daniel Ngata uh, former uh, four star prospect who has spent his time at Arizona State he actually averaged 10 yards per carry, if you recall, going back to the Arizona State game that BYU played in early 2021. Uh, he was very, very uh, capable and showed really nice flashes, and I think he'd be a welcome addition to the BYU football program. Bigger bodied back, kind of a, a Chris Brooks type of back, so keep an eye on that. And then also, I, I was told that Aiden Robbins, there's reports out there that Aiden Robbins, a transfer from UNLV, I, I think he had a thousand yard season this past year for the Running Rebels. Uh, he, not the Running Rebels, they're just the Rebels in football, but uh, he is also a guy who has been checking out BYU. So I think that BYU is just doing their due diligence on a number of guys. Uh, saying the top three they should try to go get, well, I can tell you this much. I'll tell you positions they need to get. They need to get a quarterback or quarterbacks, running backs, and I think the other thing they need to target here is linebackers slash defensive line, the defensive front, I guess, the front seven. Those are the uh, very, I think, likely places you'll see BYU put their emphasis. We'll see how it all shakes out, but they are doing their due diligence. I can promise you that. that it's something that they have absolutely keyed in on, Weston. Alright, our good friend Aggie fan Dan is back. Uh, USU the right blue on Twitter, weighing in saying what is the ceiling for BYU basketball this year and can continue to crash the boards like they did versus Creighton, make up for their poor shooting. Uh, the ceiling for BYU... Uh, I don't think the NCAA tournament is a ceiling because they would, I think, have to win the West Coast Conference tournament at this juncture uh, to make the tournament. But I think that they could ostensibly maybe, maybe make a run at the NIT, Dan. But I, I don't know. I, this this team feels very much like this is a, this is a building year going into the Big 12 era next year. But uh, the other question you had, can continue to crash the boards like they did versus Creighton make up for their lack of shooting? Absolutely. Getting extra chances on the offensive glass, uh, on the offensive side of the uh, basketball, on offensive side of the court. That's what I'm trying to say. But uh, that that is very, very critical. They are going to have to rely on that. But it takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy to be as good rebounding the basketball as BYU was in that Creighton game. So they're going to have to make sure that their conditioning is in peak uh, efficiency. Uh, they are in action tonight, speaking of the BYU men's basketball program, Western Oregon. I couldn't tell you what Western Oregon's mascot is. If you try it, I haven't looked them up at all. But it tips off at 7 o'clock on BYU TV down there at the Marriott Center. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about that tomorrow, the recap of that game, and also looking forward to the BYU-Utah matchup on Saturday afternoon as well. But yeah, I think that they absolutely need to continue to rebound and crash the boards. There's no doubt about that. All right, up next is Matt at M Staples 5 says, what worries you the most about the bowl game? What are you most excited to see in the bowl game? And who are the starting offensive line at the end of spring ball? Now let's go in reverse order. Who are the starting five offensive linemen at the end of spring ball? I, I can tell you, I think three guys that would be starting for BYU. Uh, 
uh, Matt. I think Kingsley Suomata'ia is a starter for BYU. Connor Pay is a starter for BYU. And I think the, the third guy I think will be starting for BYU is because based on comments from Aaron Roderick earlier this week, it's Lee Salatai, the junior college transfer from Snow College. Uh, Ty, apparently, according to Aaron Roderick, has got NFL potential. So I think those three guys will be starters. I don't know what positions necessarily they'll be in, but those are three guys at the end of sp- uh, spring ball I think you'll be in the mix for. And there could still be changes coming with the transfer portal. So I, I don't have to necessarily think I can give you a, a five across the board, but I think those three are most likely. All right, next uh, part of your question. He says, uh, what are you most excited to see in the bowl game? I'm excited to see Kate Fennigan and Soljay Maiava-Peters. Like I said, Kate Fennigan was such a green return missionary when he played for Boise State against BYU. He didn't really get a true feel for what he was capable of doing. We'll get our first look at him. Ostensibly, you get to see Soljay Maiava-Peters, the dual threat sensation, who once upon a time had an offer from Michigan as an 8th grader out there on Oahu before moving to Washington, D.C., I'd like to see those guys. That's what I'm excited to see. I'm also excited just to see how BYU truly responds this year. Is it going to be what they did against UAB last year where they melded in? They've been saying that we're motivated from that. We want to avoid that situation. Well, I'm excited to see just how they look when they open this game. Do they have that fire? Do they have that hunger in their belly, That that the desire to go out and dominate their opponent? We're about to find out. And then my what worries me the most about the bowl game? Well, inexperienced quarterbacks and a defense that's been torn up all year long. Uh, I, the defense has got to prove itself in this one, but man, that's that's much easier said than done with regards to like saying, okay, are they, are they capable of holding up? Ugh, we're going to find out, but the inexperienced quarterbacks and a defense that has not been very good most of the season, those two things very much uh, are are scary to me. All right, one final question here. I would not our final question, but one more question before we talk about some of our other uh, things going on. Said so our good friend Mojo out there uh, serving our country as a fighter pilot says, "What position group do you think BYU is targeting the most in the transfer portal?" Says any other high profile portalers visiting the campus? I can tell you that uh, they are brought in a number of guys. Isaiah Nagba, I think is how you say his name, uh, a pass rush slash edge rusher from Boise State, uh, came. Uh, on a visit earlier this week. He led Boise State in 2021 with six sacks on the season. Uh, he was injured a lot of this past year, but uh, Kelly Papinga is close to him, having coached him at Boise State, and he was on a visit for BYU. I think he'd be a welcome addition to the BYU football program. He's probably the most high-profile guy I can mention uh, having that I know of having come recently, but they're bringing guys in and out seemingly every single day, so don't be surprised as more news and stuff trickles out on that front. And then also, you asked, what position do you think BYU is targeting the most in the transfer portal quarterbacks they need they know they need uh they need a difference maker at quarterback and if jaron hall comes back that's a difference maker that they're getting back and that that's as good as gold but they know they need a a, just a key difference maker at quarterback to lead them into the big 12 era the quarterback position you cannot be found lacking in that department byu is lacking right now honestly outside of jaron hall who are any of the proven options that byu has at quarterback there is none baylor romney burned him a little bit leaving when he did the program uh, he uh, ostensibly uh, kind of left them high and dry in a way but you know what you can't be caught with your pants down like that again I think BYU they are absolutely intent on finding as many 
good slash elite quarterbacks that they can get to commit and come into BYU. They will take as many of them as they possibly can get. All right, we'll get to some more of these questions here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, excuse me, we do need to talk about one of our good, uh, great sponsors out there, our good friends over at Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis, my friends. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to the college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. They have got it all at Bet online and if you love a sports podcast you can find those on bet online as well they are the fastest and the easiest way to get all of your betting information also get your live betting on futures odds uh week to week in terms of the spreads no matter what you're looking for in your betting uh life you can do it with our friends at bet online so head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more now that's bet online where the game starts today's show is also brought to you in part by our friends over at uccu utah community credit union they are offering you guys a 15-month save certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. The best part about this is, my friends, they are helping you navigate this period of high interest rates and inflation by helping you save some extra money. That 4.00% APY blows any type of savings account slash money market account out of the water. They are trying to help you guys navigate this by getting some extra money into your bank account. During that 15-month period, if rates continue to rise, you can actually jump up that rate one time during the 15-month period. It's an incredible offer from our friends over at UCCU. I can vouch for this uh, institution. I've been banking with UCCU since I was a young kid. I still actually have my main accounts with UCCU, and I am in the process right now of getting a savings certificate set up myself. The best part is if the 15 months, et cetera, does not work for you, they have got a number of other uh, different terms and options for you guys to customize it to your liking. So stop into any UCCU branch today, call them or go online to uccu.com to get started there. You can learn more about their savings certificates as well by going online. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. It's so much fun uh, to sit down and talk all things BYU, but let's dive right back into the mailbag here. Uh, next question comes in uh, from our good friend. Oh, it just uh, uh, reset on me in my page. Oh, there we go. Uh, Daniel Rigby, uh, please don't cheese on Twitter. Do you think it would be better for college football if the early signing day and the transfer portal opening day took place after the end of the bowl season? Now, that's a very interesting question, Daniel. And uh, on its head, I agree it actually would be better for college football. But... Here's the problem. Coaches won't go for that because the new semester will have started and they'll have already started uh, their off-season workouts. They're planning on next year. Uh, the I think the compromise they came to opening the portal after the regular season and leaving it open through this period was, I think, the 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 only way they could get all parties on board, honestly. I would like to see it after the bowl season and make it like where it's it's truly kind of like a, a, a January to March, that type of a thing, is the portal season. That'd be fun to see because it becomes like the NFL free agency that we all see play out in the spring uh, slash early summer months. But I just don't see uh, college football administrators, coaches, players, etc., getting on board with that scenario. So I think we're stuck with what we've got for the time being. Now, could there be some adjustments on the calendar with regards to, okay, when are the open periods for recruiting high school-wise? Can they adjust the early signing period a little bit? Uh, I would actually say, to say one thing to add to your conversation here. I'd actually move the early signing period to August. Move it up to training camp. If these kids know that they want to play for this university, let them sign in August, and then you have the regular signing period in February. It gives a nice uh, buffer of, what is that, five or six months to let you go out and uh, 
during the season, if you see guys, okay, we need to bolster that. Well, guess what? You have your chance to work in December and January in the lead up to National Signing Day in early February to find the right option for you in terms of the recruiting. I would actually move the early signing period up to August, and I think that would actually take a lot of the stress this time of year. The portal still opens. You obviously have bowl games, but to take the early signing period out of the equation, that probably frees up the schedule a little bit. That's that's one thing I would like to see happen, but I think I'm just crying to nobody because the NCAA doesn't want to hear what I have to say. Uh, next one up, uh, BYU fan Sam at Sam Emery 89 says, do we expect more players to transfer out after, after they've played in the bowl game or is that process more or less done at this point? Well, Sam, tell me that you haven't been listening every day on the podcast to this point. I know it's just, I'm not serious about that, but uh, I did talk about this. I do expect more BYU players to enter the portal after the bowl game. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily a, like a, a 20 guys are going to leave, but I do expect more names to enter the portal and also after spring ball because there's also a short period. It's not the six weeks like we have right now with the portal being open. I think it's about a two or three week period after spring ball uh, in late March slash early April that the portal will open. I think you'll see other guys leave then. That, that's the thing about this. This is going to be part of college football for the foreseeable future. It's not going anywhere. So get used to it. Portal season, as they call it, it's absolutely a part of how things are going uh, for BYU. All right, a good friend Nick Lee at Nick Lee 51 uh, one of the hosts over there at Locked on Seahawks, if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan. But Nick says, I'm worried about BYU being mentally checked out for this bowl game. So there's no defensive coaching staff. Other coaches focus on portal and recruiting. The most exciting offseason in BYU history with the Big 12 looming coming up. Jaron is hurt. I kind of feel like SMU might blow their doors off. Am I off? Uh, Nick, I don't think you can I don't think you can disagree with what you said because they absolutely could get their doors blown off, especially having, like I said, an inexperienced quarterback starting their first game for BYU under center. There is that concern. I can tell you one thing. The, the, the mentally checked out part of it, I don't think they're mentally checked out. I have heard all season long. You can go back as far as August in training camp. I had multiple players and coaches, like I said, both on and off the record who have said that that bowl game against UAB last year has been stuck in their craw for months. Months. They felt like they mailed it in and they they disappointed themselves. And they want nothing to do with having that feeling once again. So I actually think this team is actually pretty fired up for it. Now, being fired up versus actually going out there and getting it done, two very different stories. We'll find out. But I, I don't think they're necessarily checked out. I, I think that they are actually pretty well engaged and doing their best to be ready for this game. We'll find out. All right, uh, Nick Chadwick, one of our great friends out there, a guy who weighs in all the time, says, when do you think the new hires will be announced on the defensive side? side. My assumption is Kevin Clune is gone. How do you think they will align the position coaches? And then he says, uh, I envision Papinga doing linebackers, Gennaro uh, Guilford doing cornerbacks, two defensive line coach, a safeties coach. What do you think? Uh, Nick, I don't think you'll necessarily see the full defensive staff hired probably till the middle of January. I think that Jay Hill is going to take a very uh, measured approach to finding the right guys to fill this out. I'd actually be okay with two defensive line coaches. I actually think that uh, Jay Hill, he probably probably ends up coaching the safeties. It's kind of funny. He'll be doing essentially the same stuff outside of being defensive coordinator versus special teams coordinator that Ed Lamb was doing. But I think that he'll do very, very well because Jay is a former cornerback. He is a guy who has coached defensive backs for many, many years, and I think he'd be fantastic as a safeties coach. I'm with you. I do think Gennaro stays with the cornerbacks. I do think uh, Kelly 
Kaminga ends up as a linebackers or an edge coach where maybe he is kind of that uh, defensive ends slash outside linebackers coach where guys coming off the edge and there's a defensive line coach who's like the interior defensive line. That's probably where the answer for your two defensive line coaches. And then you find another linebackers coach. And based on what I understand, Kevin Clune is out. Uh, it's unfortunate because I always like Coach Clune, who's a straight shooter, but it's just one of those things. It's just how things play out when it comes uh, to uh, – coaching transitions. New coach gets hired. He brings his guys or guys that he wants with him. That's what Jay Hill is doing right now. And then uh, one more question from Twitter. We also got a couple from you from YouTube. We'll fit in here real quick. Andy Patton at Andy Patton CBB. And Andy is a great, great friend. He actually hosts uh, Locked On College Basketball as well as Locked On Zags. If you like uh, Gonzaga basketball, you want to know more about it, Andy Patton has got you covered every single day. He says, how does BYU's move to the Big 12 impact recruiting or even transfer portal recruiting? Now, Andy, that's a great question. I actually think it impacts BYU in a myriad of ways. It opens up new recruiting ground for them. They can go all the way to the East Coast, down to Florida, down to Texas, in the Midwest. Places BYU traditionally has never really recruited. They have been a program that is focused really heavily on the Intermountain West, the West Coast, and Hawaii, traditionally, to bring in the athletes that they have had in their program. This is opening up essentially the entire country to BYU in recruiting. And recruiting more and more any for any program out there has become more national. Because essentially you can find opportunities to watch your son or daughter playing sports wherever you want to just with the proliferation of different TV uh, markets, the, the different channels out there, streaming services, YouTube. You can watch your kid play all over the country, but I, I think this is going to open up a huge opportunity for BYU to really recruit nationally and have a rep nationally because they're in a conference that spans three time zones right now with the hope of getting to a fourth time zone. That's what the Big 12 and Brett Yormark have said. Now, transfer portal recruiting is very interesting. I think BYU is very, very poised to take advantage of the portal because a lot of the guys who have gone in the portal, well, no, not a lot, all of them have had college football slash any whatever sport uh, experience at the division one level. They know what they've experienced in previous programs. It may not be what they're looking for. Well, BYU has a reputation that we all know about. They have the honor code. It's a conservative institution. Just, that's how they operate and that's what their reputation is. There are guys who may go into a situation and say, you know what? That's not for me. Maybe BYU is more the play. Maybe it's kind of a place where I can really buckle down and focus on my craft. I've had multiple guys mention that it's what they love about being at BYU in the past. And there's even guys currently on rosters at Brigham Young University who believe that. And that's absolutely awesome because it truly is that. It gives you the opportunity to really focus on and honing your craft and becoming the best athlete you can be. A lot of the off-field distractions, you guys know about it. Drugs, sex, rock and roll, all that stuff. Alcohol. That stuff, by and large, you're not going to find it at BYU. It's it's just it's not around in large doses, unlike some other universities. So it's a great opportunity for certain young men or young women if they feel like it's in their best interest. BYU might be a fantastic option for them, and I would encourage young athletes if something you're looking for. Go and get it. Uh, come to BYU. Check out and see if it's the right thing for you. All right, I got two more questions we need to get to. It says uh, RJ Johnson, our good friend over on YouTube, says Jake, let's admit it. Our of offensive line coaching has fallen off a cliff. Campbell leaving sends a message to every recruit that we aren't the place anymore. Why was nobody calling for an upgrade at this coaching position? Uh, now, RJ, uh, let me add this. Uh, they need. Uh, there, there, there's a conversation to be had there because Campbell Barrington left BYU and he's going to join his former offensive line coach and Eric Mateos and his former offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes at Baylor. Uh, I don't have much insight as to 
directly why Campbell was upset uh, with BYU, with Coach Funk ostensibly as the offensive line coach, but he believes he's going to get better coaching and a better opportunity playing at Baylor. And that is a, that's an indictment on Coach Funk and BYU's offensive line coaching. Uh, I, I don't know why BYU isn't looking closer at what their offensive line issues were, but I can tell you this much. If you look at the grades, I know that BYU, and I trust me, I, I'm as at fault as anybody, maybe the most at fault for this, because I believe that this was a generational-type offensive line. I thought BYU's offensive line this year was going to rival some of the great offensive lines in BYU history. I thought that potentially four guys from this offensive line could get NFL opportunities. I believe at least two of them will get that still. Blake Freeland and Clark Barrington, they are going to get those opportunities. Opportunities, but they have not lived up to the hype. I get that. But the funny thing is the grades uh, for the offensive line, if you go by PFF, etc., they actually have graded out better than I think a lot of us uh, would expect them to have graded out. But the eyeball test, watching this offensive line, it's not what it was. And I agree with you, RJ. There needs to be a conversation about potentially upgrading the offensive line play via the coaching, via maybe looking at how they go about coaching this offensive unit. Maybe Coach Funk needs to reevaluate how he's going about uh, getting his guys ready, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that the, the situation is at Campbell, it's a pretty loud statement to BYU to say, you know what? I'm not happy with the state of where I was with the BYU football program, and they maybe should reevaluate what uh, Coach Funk is doing. I, I just At this point, if they haven't cut Coach Funk yet, I don't think that he's going to be fired at least this season. And I know that might be disappointing to you, RJ, and to some other BYU fans out there, but they do need to look at how they're going about coaching that unit because, like I said, the, the, the metrics say that they've actually done fairly well. The, the eyeball test says something else. I'm with you. The offensive line has not been what we expected it to be. All right. Uh, final word, I, I believe. And I think I got to everybody's question this week. We, a little bit longer podcast today, so bear with me. I think the final word will go to our friend Corey Post at KP underscore Post 2 on Twitter. It says, can you explain why they don't make it so you can only enter the transfer portal and transfer one time during your college eligibility years? Corey, Let's just put it this way. It used to be where you could transfer. You had to sit on an entire year. Uh, it was hated, vilified. It was it, Coaches are able to leave and jobs at any point. They have buyouts that are just, it's like, okay, here's a speed bump. Oh, there, okay, I'm off to my next job. Any college student out there, any of us who went to college, you could have left the university that you went to at any time and gone to a different college. Why should student athletes not have that same opportunity at the collegiate level? That has been the argument for years. And BYU and other universities have been okay with student athletes finding the best spot for them to transfer to and being able to take advantage of their college years. They're, they're not not ever going back to what it was, Corey. I'm actually, uh, I, I'm adamantly opposed to limiting any type of student athlete with regards to their transfer because in the real world, any of us can leave jobs that we want at any point. Uh, that It's just how it is. It's your opportunity. You you have the free agency to use the LDS term. I don't know, maybe it's a Christian term. I don't know, but you have the agency to go out there and do as you see fit. Why shouldn't student athletes have that same opportunity? Are you, are you going to try and control that? No, you you shouldn't try to control that because it's just it, it it's it's not in everybody's best interest. I guess it's the easiest way to say it. I, I I'm I, I'm I guess I'm in uh, opposition to your thought, Corey. I know that your thought is that you want to make sure guys stay with your university. You're a fan. You want guys to be part of the program that they they signed up to play for, sign that national level intent for. I I get all that, but. Uh, 
I, I am adamantly opposed to limiting any of these student athletes with regards to where or when they can transfer and what they can do with their playing careers. This is a business decision for a lot of these young men, in football in particular, basketball as well. They want to get to the professional level. They want to make the sport that they have played their entire lives growing up their career. They want to make it their job. Why in the world would we, and I'm speaking collectively, why would we want to limit that? We shouldn't, and I am, I'm glad the NCAA has opened it up. I know that it irks fans when guys like Logan Fano leave the BYU football program and transfer to the University of Utah. I get all of that. But I, I am all for student-athletes having the same opportunity and the same rights, I guess I should say, uh, to leave a program and find the best program for them. Campbell Barrington, the same thing. We just talked about offensive line. He believes he's going to have a better opportunity to make it to the NFL by going to Baylor. I wish him nothing but the best, and I will be rooting on Campbell Barrington when he plays for Baylor every single time because I love that family. I've gotten to know Clark really, really well. I'll be rooting for Campbell as a Baylor Bear uh, moving forward as well. All right, so thank you. For all of your support, thank you for all your questions. You guys are absolutely marvelous. I, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate all of your guys' support out there. You guys are great, great people out there in Cougar Nation. So thank you for weighing in, and thank you for being a part of this show every single day. Thank you once again for making us your first listen. want to encourage you to go out the door here to make your second listen. Our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast, Josh Neighbors got you covered top to bottom when it comes to Big 12 football. He is doing a great job covering transfer portal, coaching changes, bowl season, all of it. He's got you covered top to bottom. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on YouTube, just like this show. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.